My sister now is 29 years old, but when she was around five, maybe a bit younger, um, she was sent off to Sunday school by herself without her parents. I don't know if that's a right age. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a bit young. I'm not sure. We, it's safe here. You can send your kids at that age to Children's Church. She went off there, and my mom was so excited. This is the first time she's going to go there by herself and experience God and Sunday school. Um, on her own, and she, my mom was so excited to see what is her reaction to all of this. So after Sunday school, my mom goes up to her and says, how was it? She has this look of disgust on her face. God, 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 that's all they talk about. <laughs> so, and sometimes we come to church and we, we just want to be entertained, and we, we come for so many other reasons, which are good in and of themselves, community and all of that stuff is good, but it's all about God. That's why we're here. I like to say we're not a gathering of perfect people coming together in church, but we're a gathering of imperfect people coming to worship a perfect God. And that is what this amazing series has been about these last couple of weeks and still continuing for about two more weeks after this. It's all about God, looking at his nature. God is mysterious yet noble. God as spirit. God as father. God as judge. And now today we're looking at God is holy. I just want to zoom into um, that video we saw from my good friend John Piper. I don't really know him, I just follow him on YouTube and Instagram. But on the very first verse that he read from the way that Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now that, he says, is a, in literary terms, a third person imperative. It's us politely and modestly asking God to do something. Make your name holy. Now, what does holy mean? We can look, I've got a description there. I was inspired by um, uh, the next slide. Ah, oh, there we go. Uh, holy, it's, I was inspired by David's, he was giving us the Hebrew for sin last week. This week, I'm going to give you the, the Hebrew for holy, which is kadosh. It uh, means to unique and set apart. And what does name mean? Name is identity. The essence, the very being of God is holy. And we are asking when we pray, when we pray for ourselves, when we would pray for the community that we're in, for a certain situation, or, or for other people, we're saying, Lord, make your name holy in their life. Make your name unique, set apart, great in their life. So when I come across temptation or sin, that your name is greater than that temptation. When someone is struggling and the, the fear and um, the walls and obstacles are too high for them to look after, that your name is greater than all of that. And that is what I want to look at today. So how do we see God as holy? Well, it, it appears a lot in the Bible, luckily. <laughs> so we're going to go through a couple of characters um, that I've picked out and just see how they experienced, what they experienced when God revealed himself as holy in humanity, when he transcended from heaven onto earth and revealed his holiness to them. So the first one I want to look at is right at the beginning. The very first time the word holy is mentioned in the Bible uh, is in Exodus 3. Uh, our friend Moses, he has just escaped from uh, Egypt. Uh, he is struggling with this whole, the plight of his, uh, his Israel, Israeli brothers and sisters that are in slavery in Egypt. 
um, and he's just killed an Egyptian, and now he's run away, but he's fine solitude with Jethro, and he's um, working with him as a shepherd. He also married, managed to marry his daughter, which seems like a win, and now he's in the fields. This is where we, we pick up from. He's in the fields uh, looking after the sheep as a shepherd, uh, and one of the sheep runs away into a cave, and we'll read from there. So uh, Exodus I've also, you can see there's some underlining there. That's verses that stood out for me. You can go back and look at that uh, for yourself as well. So one day Moses was tending the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far from the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed with flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses thought. Why isn't it burning up? I must go see it. I wonder if we'd all be as curious if we see a bush that is on fire. And not, I mean, you, when you see a bush burn, you know, when you throw pine needles and stuff into a fire, it goes, Voof. and now this bush isn't burning up. So the spirit of adventure and curiosity was strong with this one. So he went to go have a look. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, maybe more James or Jones like, here I am, Moses replied, do not come any closer, the Lord warned, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Just remember this phrase, I'm going to come back to it, this you can underline in your Bibles, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the Lord of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to, to look at God. Now here we, we see that what I mentioned, that what God commanded him to take of his sandals, for he's standing on holy ground. There, when we come into God's holy presence, like I said, it was, it's perfect and set apart, nothing dirty or death, or that carries death, can enter into this presence. It's so bright and wonderful. It's almost, I see a picture of a sun. And the sun is amazing, amazing. it's radiant, it produces light and life. But the closer we get to it, what will happen if we go on our summer holiday to the sun? We're going to vaporize in a couple of seconds. So when death and uh, dirt and everything comes into the presence of God, it cannot exist. It just can't exist. A very uh, it's terrible, but you can do it anyway, visual example is if you cup your hands like this and you peer in it, into it, it's dark. But the moment you open the end, light rushes in and all the shadows and everything disappear. That's just as our sin and our brokenness uh, cannot exist in the holiness of God. So here's Moses with his sandals, and he's a shepherd, and he's been walking amongst all the sheep's muck and dirt and probably blood and dead sheep, and, and God says, you cannot bring this into, into this holy ground. So remember that point. We're going we're to come back to it. Next character is Job. Now, Job went, man, he had a hell of a time. He, went, he experienced a lot. We think we've gone through stuff. He went through a lot. And through all of this, eventually got to a point where he just got mad with God. And he challenged God. He said, God, come down here and explain yourself why I'm going through all of this. And now there's, God comes and he, this is really beautiful, poetic um, stanza. 
he gives challenge to, to Job. Uh, I haven't put all of it up there. It's quite a few verses, but you can definitely go read it yourself. I love this. I've actually read it at church before, but I'll read it to you, uh, some of it to you quickly, what God says to Job and how he, he reveals his holiness to Job. He says, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying lines? Who's, what supports its foundations and who laid down its cornerstones as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Can you stalk prey for a lioness and satisfy the young lion's appetites as they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket? Who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out to God and wander about in hunger? But of course, you know all this, for you were born before it was all created, and you, were so, and you are so very experienced. I love that God is sarcastic, <laughs> the way he's talking to it. God was, in his holiness, uh, was challenging him with two, I think, really strong philosophical arguments, which we can still use today even for the existence and the holiness and the might of God. And that is the first one when he challenged uh, Job with, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? He's talking about creation. It's called in philosophy, the cosmological argument. Can, do we actually know how something, from, how something came from nothing? The one thing that um, Christians and scientists can agree on is that there was a beginning. But what scientists can't explain was how something just came out of nothing. But we believe in an uncreated being, an internal being who's outside of this physical universe, who's greater than all of this. So when he speaks, when he says, let there be light, then immediately there is light. Can Job do that? Can we do that? When we look at this God who can speak and there's creation that reveals his greatness and his holiness to us. The other challenge he gives um, Job is when he talks about the animals and how everything works together and is Job able to feed the ravens and do this with the lions and do this and this. And later on in his challenge, he talks about this massive leviathan and, and all these other strange creatures. And that, I want to say, is the philosophical argument, the argument from design. If we look at this world the, it is infinitesimally small that life could actually exist the way it does. Uh, just for, the, just for the, the universe to randomly explode, and now all of a sudden we have life, for everything to fall into place exactly as it needed to fall into place, for there to be life, is complete, next to impossible, completely impossible. But it does, and we're here, and everything works together. If you look at a tidal pool, I'm super fortunate that I live very close to a tidal pool and I can look into it. And there's a whole ecosystem. It's like a microcosm of the world's bigger ecosystems. And the biologists talk about keystone species. And if you remove one of those keystone species from a tidal pool or any other ecosystem, the entire ecosystem dies. So 
it, everything works, and then you, then you put it back, and then the ecosystem comes alive again. So everything works so intrinsically together, fits in so perfectly. Are we able to do that? Like, who are we even? I mean, what are, what are we capable of? So there God revealed his holiness to Job in, in the, those ways. And he was also talking to Job out of a whirlwind, which is, again, flaming bush, whirlwind. He's a bit dramatic. Next one, <clears throat> the two stories, the, the last of my characters that I'm going to show you, is I'm going to just read two stories of two characters that actually went into the throne room of God. First was Isaiah in Isaiah 6. It was the year of King Uzziah when King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robes filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with your glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Sort of warned you, it's, it's getting a bit weird now. So, <laughs> um, so here's another one. This is when John, when he's exiled to the island of uh, Patmos, he had a, a revelation from God. This is in Revelations. As, then as I looked, I saw a door standing in heaven. And the same voice I heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here. I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit. And I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald encircled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all crowned in white and had gold crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder. In front of the throne were seven torches and burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. And in front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne, there were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first was of these living beings was a lion, the second was an ox, the third was a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings covered all their eyes, inside and out. Day and night, in day on... Day after day and night after night, they kept saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and is still to come. Whenever these living beings gave glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their thrones before the throne and said, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive our glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. So here God reveals himself in this crazy, over-the-top way to Isaiah and to John. And sometimes we think, yeah, that's, that's a bit over-the-top. It's uh, what is God looking for all this attention? But yes, he is. <laughs> Uh, we used to, God used to be in our culture, in the center of the universe, but then came the age of Re the Renaissance period, the, um, the age of revelation, where all of a sudden God went from being to the center of the universe to man being the center of the universe. And we started just looking at ourselves, which I think is really where all our problems <laughs> went out of hand. 
so here God has revealed himself to all these people. Uh, and how did they react when they saw God? Well, we saw Moses when we looked, when he came up, when, when God revealed himself to him. He covered his face and he was afraid to look at God. Then Job, if we read further in that, I've got it here. We've read further in that communication between Job and God. Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever have the answers? I only heard about you before, but now that I've seen you with my own eyes, I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes and show my repentance. So when God's holiness was revealed to him, he repented and fell to the ground. And when Isaiah, when he saw all of this happening, when he was in the throne room, Isaiah said, it is all over. I am doomed. I am a sinful man and I have filthy lips. I live among people with filthy lips, yet I have seen the King, the Lord of the heaven's armies. I think our natural response when we see this, when we see the holiness of God, is to fall to the ground and repent and give him praise. Because as we come closer to the sun, as we come closer to his holiness, our eyes turn off of ourselves. Our problems become less uh, significant. And we see the greatness and the, the holiness of God and how great he is. But also, when we come close to him, we, re we realize actually how broken we are, how much sin there is inside of us. And we are compelled to repent. Bringing back to the bit where Moses was told to take off his sandals. That getting rid of the dirt and the brokenness and the death to be able to enter into his holy presence is so necessary. Otherwise, like I said, we'd just be, be vaporized. And there's two brokennesses that I want to focus on. One, the actual act of taking off the sandals is a posture. It's kind of like, a, like the ceremonial law that they used to have back in the ancient times about the way, just being considering how you are dressed and how you approach God. Getting rid of the dirt off your feet. They used to have to wear uh, special clothes and on a special day they take a spotless lamb into the, the innermost parts of the temple where God's presence dwelled uh, to, to offer him the sacrifice. We today, because of Jesus, are free to enter his presence. But do we ever consider our posture when we go into that space? When we come here to church, are we like, oh, I had a heavy night on Saturday. I just really don't feel it. The band wasn't that good. I just, you know, I just don't feel like worshiping God. Do we consider our posture when we come into it? Are we just sitting there like this? Entertain me. God, prove yourself to me. How are we, how are we considering our posture as we walk, come into God's presence? So that's one. And the other is the more, the more obvious one, which one I really want to talk about is moral holiness. How are we considering our heart? What state is our heart in? What sin is there still in our lives? God commands us multiple times in the Bible. I've got a list of about nine times uh, where he commands us to be holy as he is holy. Please go, go check these out. I'll quickly run through them. In Leviticus, I'm the Lord your God. 
Consecrate yourselves, therefore. Be holy as I am holy. I am the, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. Thus you shall be holy as I am holy. Then uh, Leviticus 19 uh, spoke to all the congregations of the sons of Israel and said to them, You shall be holy for the Lord your God is holy. Again in Leviticus, everyone's favorite book. Thus you are to be holy for, to me, for I the Lord am holy, and you are set apart to, to be my people. In 1 Peter, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Back in Leviticus, you shall consecrate yourself, therefore be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. Again in Peter, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves and also in all your behavior. In Leviticus, you shall consecrate him, therefore, and, be, and he offers the, the food for your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sacrifices you, am holy. Who sanctifies you, sorry. Who sanctifies you is holy. Since the, and then Deuteronomy, since the Lord your God walks in your midst of the camp to deliver you and to defeat your enemies before you, therefore your camp must be holy. And he must not see anything indecent among you, or he will turn away from you. So God really, this is big on his list for, for us, is to be holy as he is holy. But has anyone tried that? I just look at myself and I stand here so aware of my brokenness, even as I'm talking about all of this. And in our own strength, it is, not, it is not possible. The closer I get to him, the more my brokenness is revealed. So what am I to do? Paul asks this question. What am I to do? I'm the most broken of all people. I'm the most sinful of all people. So when we come to God like this, what does he say to us? Does he just vaporize us as we come, as we come close to him? No. When God, God says to us, when he looks at us, he's got a heart of compassion, a heart of the Father. And he says, fear not. Multiple times he says, fear not, fear not. If we see what happens when, when God revealed himself those, those times in our stories, uh, when he revealed himself as a burn, uh, his holiness as a burning bush, what did it do? It made the ground around the bush holy. When um, uh, there's another, uh, oh, when Isaiah was in the, in the throne room and he was just saying how broken he is, what happens? One of those weird beasts, the seraphim, flies over to him with a coal and touches his lips and he becomes holy. There's another great story in Ezekiel. Ezekiel was given a vision. This is the scripture here. You can go through that. But essentially what happens is he sees this picture of the temple and God's holy river pouring out of the temple. And wherever the river touched, trees grew. There was life. It flew into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea was, the saltiness was removed and fish lived in the Dead Sea. So God's holiness, wherever it touches, that is also made holy. As his holiness touches us, so we are made holy. Now there's an amazing person in this church who I love dearly, who whenever you speak to her, it's just it's so encouraging. She has such deep insight into God and is so close to God. And I'd love her to come up and just share a story with us. 
of how people experienced God's holiness in her community through how she is living out with God. So everyone, welcome Charlene. She's amazing. We all know her. <laughs> yes, um, First Peter 1 verse 16 says, Be holy because I am holy. On Wednesday afternoon, I said to Shane, it was about five past four. If you don't mind, making me a cup of coffee. <laughs> and he said, you don't mind. And I said, okay. I'm going into the quiet room. If you don't mind bringing it in there for me, please. And Shane brought me the coffee. And I was 15 minutes with the earphones in. And I was like 15 minutes into the holies of holies. You know, and the knock came on the door. And Shane shouted, sure, you've got a visitor, man. I said, oh, well, did the visitor come through then. And the visitor came through, and it was an old school friend, and she said, Charlene, I walked past your house, but when I came to the end of the road by the trees, something told me to turn around. And she turned around, and she came to me. And the first thing she said was, Charlene, I'm off the drugs now. And I said, hallelujah. I am going to church now. If I don't go on a Sunday, I go on a Wednesday at the Anglican Church. I said, hallelujah, but how can I help you today? She said, no, I think I need prayer. I said, oh, right then. Then that's the reason why God has prepared my heart this afternoon. He has cleansed me from the head to the footsole of my feet and prepared this holies of holies this afternoon just for you. And she sat there and I sat here. And I started praying for her. And I'm telling you the amazing things that happened in that room on Wednesday afternoon. I give God all the glory because God is good and his mercy, it endures forever. And I said to her, can you just stay in the room? And she stayed in the room and I went to, um, I went to the kitchen and I um, made a parcel together for her. And I went back into our, we've got like a little spare room where we have just scriptures around the wall. Hallelujah. And that is the, the um, room that we spend our time in with God. And um, I went back into the room. I gave her the parcel. And she said, auntie. I said, then bless you, man. Then there's a parcel for you because God he is our provider. And God knew why he sent you to this door this afternoon. And I want to close off by saying, as Joe spoke about the Holy Spirit, we cannot become holy on our own. But God gives us his Holy Spirit to help us obey and to give us power to overcome sin. Hallelujah. And that is why she could say with a, with a good heart on Wednesday afternoon, Charlene, I'm not on drugs anymore. So I want to encourage the church this um, morning that we cannot become holy on our own. We really need God. And we need this Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is an amazing thing that guides us and leads us through life. God bless. Amen. So, I never leave a conversation with Charlene not feeling encouraged and just excited for God. She really has a true relationship with him. And as you see, as she cultivated a, a house, a home of holiness, and encountered God's holiness in her home. People in the street saw it and felt, they didn't know why, but were attracted to it. We are, can be that shining light, that lamp uh, to the world for people to encounter the holiness of God, this greatness of God. And finally, as, as I wrap it up, I want to I talk about Jesus. Jesus said something really offensive in his time. And it's still offensive 
today. He said, you must be born again. How you're born is broken. It's not correct. Sin has distorted the perfect image of how God made you. So you have to be born again. Paul speaks in Romans about how all of us are found guilty. We can try as much as we want, but we're never going to be able to attain that holiness that God wants of us. But because of the sacrifice, the, sacrifice, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can, and if we put our faith in that, we can freely step into the holiness. He has saved us. That's why when we see God reveal himself in this crazy fashion, in all these weird and wonderful ways, we can rejoice and we can praise him because he wants us to be with him. God really is, he really desires for us to just have been in relationship with him and to love him and be loved by him. So, right now, if we can all close our eyes. Let's just turn our attention away from ourselves, from the issues we've been dealing with. And then let us look upon this holy, amazing God. This God that created the universe, that spoke and there was light. This God that is surrounded by thousands of these weird creatures and, and angels and thunder and lightning and rainbows, but He's still concerned with us. This God that has thousands and thousands of angels continually singing His praise, but He still found, finds our praise the, the most satisfying. And I want to ask you, do you know this God? Do you know this holy, wonderful God that desires to make you holy, to make you full and complete and perfect in Him, set apart from this broken world? Is this the God that when we faced with temptation and uh, struggles and trials of any kind, is this the God that we know is greater than those things? That we can turn to, that we can look at instead of looking at our, our circumstance. So just look upon this God. And if you have never been in a relationship with Him before, right now He is calling you. He's saying, This holy, amazing God is looking specifically at you and saying, I love you. I want to be in a relationship with you. You don't, you were never intended to do this life alone. But to have the, the God of heaven's armies on your side that we can call father, that we can call friend. So I just want to create an opportunity right now for those that haven't met with God. Just where you're sitting, start the conversation. Say, Father, I just want to come into your presence. I want to know what it means to be your child. Make me holy as you are holy. And for those that have been Christians for a long time, and your posture has got a bit slack, and you've just taken all, the, all these things have just become a, just a bit too normal and a uh, yeah, 
just ask, Father, reveal your holiness to me. You are holy, 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 God Almighty. The one who is, the one, the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Reveal your holiness to me. Let me be in awe of you. Let me stare at you in wonder. Like when you gaze into the night sky, into the universe, and you're just in awe. Let, Lord, Lord God, let me experience that when I look at you.